0: Uh, please forgive the men. They're trying to sort this thing out. And uh, please forgive me, but you're, I love to be a hands free guy. So um, I can do all sorts of stuff with my hands. So is that okay with you? Some of them just keep on talking while they just keep on adjusting. So have mercy with them. And um, yeah, wasn't that amazing? Who says God did breakthrough tonight in your life? Wonderful! That's what it's all about. If that's what all we came for, then that's then church is worth it. Wow! 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 Just his presence, so amazing. You can go from noisy to quiet very quickly. But <laughs> uh, a good sign of God's doing something. So it's great. Who was here last week? Who? Okay, who wasn't here last week? All right, you'll have to go and grab hold of the the recording if you can, but we started a a series on back to basics, and we spoke last week about if you are playing, if you know how to play sport or whatever, and the game's going horribly wrong, the only way you fix it is you go back to basics, and our Christian life is exactly the same. When the enemy comes in and rocks our boat, the only thing he wants to do is disconnect you from the God that you serve. That's the reason why he throws what he can at you. And so you and I, the only way we fix it is we just keep going back to basics. And um, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to just do a bit of a review quickly on some things we touched on last week. Last week I had a thing called a plumb line, sorry, a plumb line here, which is a very heavy ball with a rope on it. And that's how they used to measure whether something was vertical or built properly. And in Amos chapter 7, which is the scripture that we read from, it says, this is what he showed me. The Lord is standing by a wall and he had been building true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb plum line, I replied. Then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among the people of Israel. I will spare them no longer. So in other words, what God is saying here, I'm bringing my word in amongst you. God's word is his plumb line. That pleases him. That's the standard that he's building. And... um, um we, we love the people that build and all that kind of stuff. But not everybody builds according to standards. Some people take shortcuts. You can't take your Christian life and build it with shortcuts. You're not going to get there. Okay, so God's Word is His plumb line, and He's continually bringing that. It's a standard. And um, the reason why the Bible teaches on certain things is because those things are a reality. So fear, if fear comes and rocks your boat, it's because fear is a reality. And that's why the Bible says, um, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. It talks about many things. Why? Because those things are a reality. Those are the little um, holes that the enemy can get through at your and my life. Remember this. The devil doesn't have to catch you by tomorrow. He's got the rest of your life. And that is why you and I have to be building properly every single day. That's why we have to keep. when When you get victory in an area in your life, you keep it in victory. Don't let it go again. Because the enemy will use that against you. And so what happens is what I found in my life is that if you show him that there is something that you are open to that is not godly, he takes a note of it. And he is a good planner. He will set you up. And then all of a sudden, one day, he will throw everything he has at you to try and cause your life to huge chaos. So remember that. And that's why God's word is there. So fear, forgiveness, and all those kind of things. Then we looked at 1 Corinthians 13, and we looked at all the different things that you could be doing. You could be uh, someone that prophesies, but it says if you have no love, you're just making a noise. You can go and give everything that you have uh, to the poor, but if you have no love, you've accomplished nothing. So it tells you that you can go do many things, but if love is not the reason and the motivation, you actually have wasted. So, And so, and and here's the next thing we saw, is that whatever I claim to have vertically, in other words, my relationship with God has to be seen working its way out this way. That's why Jesus hung on the cross, because what he accomplished this way, he distributed this way. And so I can't say, God, I'm submitted to you, and I'm not submitted to somebody here. Now we got quiet. I can't say that I love God and I'm not loving people this way. I can't say, God, you can have anything, but when people are in need, I'm tight-fisted. So what I'm saying that I have in God has to be seen working its way out in amongst us. That's why the Bible calls us family. How many of us have no problem of sharing what we have with our family? Our physical family. So now we're in a spiritual family, so let's... The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> so we looked at a bunch of one another's. The Bible speaks about a bunch of one another's. There are 26 of them. And there are a couple of don't do one another's as well. But those 26 are all Bridge building in a relationship with somebody. So it says love one another. Encourage one another. Be good to one another. Honor one another. There's a whole long list of them that we can one another together. Why? And it, all it is, is creating the bridge between Yes, You see, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you. That's it. That's it. So words, talk is cheap. It's my life and my actions sat with somebody this week and I said you know what you don't know us and you'll only get to know us over a period of time and you'll get to know that what we say and what we live whether those two things line up it's going to take time but all I need you to know right now is that we love you and we care for you and we're going to do the best we can to help you and that's it and time will tell whether we are people of our word or we're not so, love is important. So, we looked at, started to look at love one another. And we looked at John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another. How? As I have loved you. It says this, um, uh, so that you must love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know. Who's everyone? Everyone. Saved and unsaved. Heathen atheist everybody will know that you are my disciples if you love one another i was speaking to people that do missionary work up into africa and when you move into a muslim country the day the moment you mention the name of jesus you've just closed every door so how do you get into a community like that and start to share the love of jesus with them without mentioning the love of the name jesus It's love. So what does love do? What does love look like in a situation like that? You're going to have to go and start to serve them. You're going to have to go and start doing things for them. And eventually, somewhere along the line, they're going to ask you the question, why are you doing this? Well, I love you. I care for you. I want to help you. You see, you need to avoid for as long as you can to talk about the love of Jesus until you you have no other answers to be able to give them. But Jesus lives in my heart. He loves you and he sent me here so that I can show you his love. And then. You see, because many people, and and, and if you understand something, and, and let's just talk about Muslims right now. The day that they surrender their life to Jesus, they lose everything. And I don't know if you understand what everything means. They get kicked out of their family. The inheritance is gone. They're, they're kicked out of the community. They, kick, they lose everything. It's a huge price. For us, we just give our hearts to Jesus. Some of our family might just ignore us a little bit. And then we carry on with life. But they lose everything. So there's a massive tight, uh, price tag connected to them serving Jesus. So we need to understand that. And all these one another's, and, the, and undercoded by love, helps us to understand those things. Jesus, when he's saying over here... That love them as I have loved you. He's saying to us, we need to get this thing right. So we've been good at hitting it. And we've also been good at missing it. But we need to start hitting it more than we miss it. Because there's no perfect person this the side of heaven. So you are going to miss it. And I've missed it lots. So Jesus gives us a wonderful example in John chapter 13. Reading from verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That's something to know. When you're not threatened any longer by the people around you and what's going on. Everything was under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. And he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes and wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now. Just for you to understand the the, the context, because many of us, we miss what's going on in the Bible because we're reading it through our either Afrikaans brain, English brain, uh, South African culture, English culture, whatever culture that we have. We miss it by miles. So here I remember that Jesus, um, um, because they walked around in dirt roads and with sandals. Have you ever seen yourself walking around in pluckies um, somewhere on a dirt road? And what your feet look like after that, okay, and so they you need to understand all the animals walked on the road, so their feet were really messy by the time they got there, and if you ever went into someone 's house, there would be a bowl and, a, and, a, and a, a bowl of water and a jug so that you could actually uh, wash your feet when you go in. but if you had a lot of people come to your home, then there would be a servant that would actually do that for you, so they come to this whole thing, so first of all, we need to understand that here he's saying to Peter, Peter. It's important that I wash away your sin. He says, you won't understand it now. But it's important that, that, that we get cleansed from our unrighteousness and we become righteous in God's eyes. So that's one of the pictures that actually he was trying to get to, uh, Peter to understand. And the other one was to submit to Jesus and his authority. So you and I, we need to allow ourselves. Allow, we submit it. You see, we, we, we submit when it's convenient and Okay. And it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> but there are times when it's hard. And, and there's a fight. We've had many times when, when God's asked us to move somewhere. And, and it like goes against the grain of, 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 of like where we're at. And, and it challenges our comfort zones. And, and, and everything inside us is like, we don't want this, Jesus. And then we have to end. But not our will, your will, Lord Jesus. If this is where you want us to go, we're going to go. And we go there, we go there with everything that we have. All our energy, all our life, all our all, everything. So the Lord said to Simon Peter, carry on for verse 9. Not just my feet, but my head and my hands and everything else. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath, no need, be wa- only need their feet to be washed. Their whole body is clean. And you are, you are not clean, though even though you're, uh, not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished... Washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And do you understand what I've done to you? He asked them. You call me teacher and lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Verse 14 Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. We're living in a world today where the, the higher you get promoted, the less you do. He boss is the boss, And he does the minimum and he just shouts the orders and everybody else around him. Jesus is building a model totally the other way around. That when he promotes you, you go down. It talks about the apostles as the foundation to what he's building. Not up there. Down there. Leadership is down there. Leadership is put into a place where, you, where, where as leadership we can serve the body. That's why you shout to be a leader. And you're excited and you dance and you do all those kind of things. See, people see this promotion, and it is. But it's promotion to get your hands more dirty. <laughs> I've got an amazing brother. And um, he's three years older than me. He pastors a church across in America. And when we were still back in, in Zimbabwe, um, they had a church and uh, the toilets got blocked. And there was nobody... To kind of like unlock it on a Sunday, and there's no pick up the phone, phone, Mister, unfix it, kind of character. So somebody in the crowd needs to get their hands dirty. And um, so he took off his jacket, suit, his tie, his rolled up his sleeves, got himself dirty, unplugged the toilet system, so that the people that came to church could experience church in an amazing way. That's leadership. That's leadership. And you need to understand, this is what Jesus said. He says. That, he said, You need to wash one another's feet. He says, I set before you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very, very, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sends him. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is not a condemnatory communicating here. This is an inspiring communicating. Let us be those people. Let us be the difference makers. Let us be the people that when we've, left, when we've been with somebody and we leave them, they're better than what they were before we got there. Somebody say amen, please. When, so, when something's been put into our hands to take responsibility for it, the day we hand it over, it's better than when the day we picked it up. Let's be those kind of people that will not be scared to do anything. But as long as the job gets done. So... Uh, I was one at one church and um, there was a lot of stuff. That ch- the, the, the building was, needed a lot of maintenance and, and the people were despondent or everything else. And so I made a decision that everything that had to be done, I would do it. And I would not ask anybody until I had done as much as I could. And I did. And I think it was by for the first two years, it was like I was in there fixing jungle gyms and fixing stuff everywhere, whatever. And eventually... People said, "How hey, can I help you? Is there something that I can do for you? And all of a sudden, people started to volunteer about getting involved. Why? I believe it's because I never asked one thing. I went and became an example, I hope. And that's what stirred their hearts. They want to become part of that. So during the culture of that day, listen to this now. If you entered that house, remember I told you the wash and the basin and whatever. And so here we have the disciples. Now the disciples knew that this was the culture. And not one of them did anything. They just kind of like, I wasn't there. So when I'm reading it, I'm kind of like having this picture in my head. And I'm almost sure like they were standing waiting to see who's going to do this. Because the person that would do this would be a slave or a servant. And if you remember correctly, that there's always was a jostling between the disciples. Who's the greater? Remember that? And I'm almost sure that this jostling was, no, it's not. if I do this, then that means, that means that that one there is better than I am. Because this is a servant's job. And Jesus, being the great man that he was, he takes off his robe, puts on the towel, and goes and does. And that's why he says, that which I've done for you, will you don't do that for others. Will you put yourself down so that somebody else's life can be changed? So in Mark chapter 10, verse 43, it says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your boss. No. It says, you want to be great, learn to be a servant. Now, there's an amazing lady that um, has passed away in heaven. Her name was um, India. Um, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. What a phenomenal lady served the ghettos of India, looking after the kids. And when the day she died in a Hindu country, gave her a state funeral as a Christian. A woman that was not embarrassed to represent Jesus in everything. What a phenomenal lady. Our world needs people like that. 1 John three eighteen, Dear children, let us not love with words and speech uh, or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let's not just be the people that talk. Let us be those people that just gets out there and goes and does something. So when I read that, when I see the washing of the feet, you see our feet is what brings us, it's a picture of what brings us in contact with the world. And the world wants to stick to us. And you and I have to make every effort to not allow the world to stick to it. That's why we need to be washed in the presence of God every single day. We need to be having that time with Him. Why? So that we can remain reflecting the goodness of God and not being contaminated by the world. And so that's what happens. So you see, when you start looking at all the one another, there's an opposite to it. So when the Bible says love one another, the opposite to that is hate. Do you think that there's some hate around in the world today? There's a lot of hate going around in the world today. Just look on social media and all that kind of stuff. How people air their are <clears throat> out there. Don't be that. Greet one another. We can ignore each other. It became quiet in here. You're, you're the fan. I know it's gone. It says encourage one another. Have you heard of people kind of pulling somebody else down? People can't rejoice with people that are doing well in life, being promoted. Oh, I've still got the job. So we pull each other down. We go and be bad mouth behind their back. Those are the things that are happening. Bear with one another. No, what we do is we express our irritation. I don't like that person. Annoyingly, they get under my skin. They want nothing to do with them. Live in harmony. We're more divided than living in harmony. Submit to one another. We rather resist each other and walk around proud. I'm better than you. Serve one another. No, we don't serve. We want to lord it over. I want to be the boss. I want to be telling you what to do. Have fellowship with one another. No, we isolate each other. We go into our little thing and and we we hope that we are moaning and I'm... And our one-sidedness is going to do something for us. No. Being one-sided is going to destroy us. Build one another up. No, we're not building. We're destructive. How can I tear you down? Forgive. We resent. Consider one another. We're more selfish. Be devoted to one another. We become disloyal. Honor one another. We rather shame people. Accept one another. We reject people. We instruct people. No, we would rather leave them ignorant. The world is wanting to contaminate us be those other people so that the world, there's no difference between us and the world. But we're not those kind of people. We're the people that are stepping up. We're the people that are bigger than the system. So Paul helps us in how to undo the world and the ways of the world. And the answer is, it's Jesus in my life. But it's more than that. It's me being submitted to Jesus in my life. Many people express, I love God. But you look at their lifestyle, and there's no difference. We're not that kind of people. So I, I, maybe I've declared Jesus Christ as Lord, but that's the starting point. Then there's a growing that needs to take place where my life starts to change. And the, and the things that don't please God are kind of like chipped off. And I start to grow these godly and righteous ways of life. And, 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 and I start to become someone that doesn't fit in but sticks out. Not because I want to be different. It's just because God's making me into the image that he wants me to be. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You see, there many people are forms of godliness walking around out there. They do. They go to church on Sunday, but that's the last about Jesus that they do for the whole week. If you and I are going to live for Jesus, we're going to have to do it every single day. We have to be in his word. We have to be meditating on it, lying on your bed. Sit outside, do whatever. We're driving in the car. We spend a lot of time driving in the car. That's the best place for you and I to be able to ponder on Jesus. You see, and we don't have the capacity to love people. You see, our our capacity is very small and very short. You see, I can love you until you cross me. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get the other side of me. You see, that other side of me has to die somewhere because that other side of me doesn't please doesn't please, please the lord. And so here Paul writes in Ephesians 5:22 says but the fruit of the spirit what is the fruit of the spirit? It's the it's the evidence of Jesus living on the inside. You see and it says the evidence that that fruit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control these qualities are required to fulfill the one another's. It's not going to come any other way. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse four, Paul really starts to get very low in these things. He says, "Love is patient. How many could do with a dose of patience? Don't put up your hand. Oh. Yeah. A little while ago, okay, I'm gonna confess some of our sin now, okay. So, when I met Shirley, and I just moved down from Zimbabwe, and we're driving around in Joburg or in Kempton Park area, and you know how people, their driving skills are, are challenging sometimes, and I'm um, just trying to uh, avoid them is a problem. So, Shirley would sit there, and then somebody would like, Can kind I of cut in front of us or whatever? She's drumming and she pushed the heater, and I said, Leave them, man, don't leave them alone, It's not a change anyway. Not too long ago, not too long ago, listen to me. You, know, you must never, ever point somebody else's sins out very quickly. Because not too long ago, I was, a, look at the person right here. And she turned on, she said, what happened to that guy that, that when I met? I mean, just ignore them, whatever. Now I'm the guy that's ranting and raving about everybody. She said, like, nobody perfect on the side of heaven, sure. So love is patient, love is kind. Oh, there's a lot of horrible people out in the world. Horrible because of sin, not horrible because of who they are. They were created by Jesus, and they're amazing. But sin has just created them with behavior patterns that are not very nice, but we need to be kind to those people. It says love does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not even easily angered, it does not um, record the wrongs. There are some people, you go and visit them, and they will tell you the exact date and the time and the conversation that somebody did something against them. And they've held it for years and years and years, and they will go to the grave bitter because of that very thing. I want to tell you, life is too short to carry that stuff around. And I thank God that God gave us a way out. It's called forgiveness and repentance. Yeah, two powerful words, forgiveness and repentance. And repentance. So where was I now? Does not easily anger. Doesn't hold any records of wrong. Does not delight in evil. But rejoices with the truth. You want to know, It gets worse. It says it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. E, this love thing is huge. So now we understand. We don't have the capacity. To operate at this level. We need Jesus' help. And you know what? He wants to help us. He wants us to reflect him well. And he wants people to see himself. And then verse 8 says, Love never fails. Love never fails. You see, you and I are sitting in this room because love never fails. You and I were trying to run away from him. And and, and, and there were people that would hound you and they would come and knock on your door and they say, did you know that Jesus loves you? Ah, you slam the door in their face. Or they stop you in the street or whatever. And you would do everything in your power to like make life terrible for them. But you know what? They never stopped. I was listening to this guy. Have you ever heard of a guy called Mike Wonky? Christian comedian guy. And um, yeah, so he, uh, he's a funny man. In fact, if I say his name, what kind of picture do you get in your mind? What does he look like? What do you think he looks like? Mike <laughs> Wokey. No, he didn't have a Mohawk. <laughs> But he, But he had a seriously bushy hairstyle and red hair and pale skin, but a very massive frame. <laughs> he didn't look like... Um, anyway, no, let me leave my explanations alone. And so, um, what did I tell you? Why did I tell you about him now? Oh, yes. And, and he, he said this. He said... If you know that there's an old lady praying for you, he says, you might as well give her because they don't know how to shut up. (laughs) So, So I salute all the grannies that have been praying for their grandchildren and their children that have never stopped. Because somewhere along the line, a skittle ball is going to knock them over. So not everybody is easy to get on with, love, and work with. And Jesus doesn't give me and you any choices. He doesn't say, mm, that, one's, that one's okay, you can kind of like have a borderline case over there. No, he doesn't. He says, love your enemies and do good to them. And I want to tell you, I've seen how God has been done amazing things by trying to just love your enemies to the best of your ability. So in Matthew chapter 25, talks about the Son of Man returning and he comes and he starts to separate the sheep and the goats. Remember the parable? Verse 33. Verse 33. And he says, He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep. Sheep representing the righteous. Goats representing unrighteous. Okay? So it says, Come you who are blessed by my father. Speaking to the sheep now. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Listen to verse 35. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothing and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the disciples are all confused. And they said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink and see you as a stranger and take you in and give you clothing? And verse 40 says, The king will reply, Truly I say to you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Ah. Now, I can immediately think of a lot of people that I have ignored. So can you. Now, this is not a guilt trip. And remember this, and I want to say this right now. You can't go from zero to hero in one day. You know what I mean by that? You can't change everything immediately. But what I am asking is, can we take one step? One step from where we are to where we should be going. If we can take one step today, and maybe another step tomorrow, and maybe another step the day after that, it might not be big increases, but it's sure going to be something. And after a while, you're going to have moved quite far, because if you start over here and you take one step, And another step, and another step, and another step. And maybe one day you fall back one step. And then you, within a week, you have grown a lot. You've changed a lot. You see, God didn't come to change us all in one day, but he came to change us daily. And that's what his intention is, because he's a good God. And so as we close on this thing, because this is the foundation to everything that you and I are ever going to build for God. If it's not coated in love, if it's not undergirded with love, if it's not smelling of love, if it's not acted with love, we're not going to do anything. We will will do one of those. If you look at the graph of our life, we'll be good moments and we'll be back to where we were before. And there will be good moments. And that's not what God wants to build. God wants us to build slowly but well. But well. So can I give us some homework? Oh, no, I thought school was finished. <laughs> Life is a long school lesson. So can I ask this? Can this week, can we go and demonstrate our love for two kinds of people? One, a Christian that you know. And number two, someone that you know doesn't love God. Will you go and will you love them? Demonstrate something. I'm not asking you to do something big. You see, faith grows from step to step. And so, do something small today. You see, you to a Christian or whatever. Might just be a phone call. Pick up the phone. So, yesterday. Okay, now, now let me also kind of like put this. Sometimes my wife is the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. You know that. And I, and I need to tell you, sometimes I don't like that voice. <laughs> no, because here's what it works. Sometimes God will be saying, phone the guy, phone the guy. And then she'll have a She says, have you ever phoned that guy? When is the last time you... And I'm thinking, I don't want to hear that. So yesterday was one of those. It was a pastor that kind of like was part of the church that I was part of before. Picked it up the phone. I said, hey, how are you doing? And had a good conversation. End of it, he said, thank you so much for phoning me. What was accomplished? I don't know. But my obedience is more important than what was accomplished. Because if God can get our obedience level to a place that he knows we will be the vessel that when he says, do this, you do it. And that's, that's what we are trying to do. If we can just raise our obedience, remember the scripture, Samuel 2, to Saul, he says, God doesn't require sacrifice, but obedience. That's all he wants. He just wants our obedience. And you might pick up the phone to a non Christian. What do you say to them? I don't know. Hey, Bruce, thinking about you, try and talk their language, however they talk. <laughs> Just show some interest if you know what they're doing, what kind of work they do, or whatever. Hey, how's work? You know. Hey, when was the last time you had some time off? What did you do? You know. Have you been surfing lately, or whatever? At the end of it, hey, just was thinking about you. So I trust that you have an amazing day, you know, and, and I hope this week's going to be a good week for you. That's it. That's all you have to do. But what you've done is you've taken a step, and Lord, I sense that I hear you say this. I'm going to do it. And then tomorrow, he's going to another one. And, when, and then all of a sudden, and I want to tell you this story. You know, sometimes we never know what we do. So many, many years ago, I really, um, in, in, in the church group where we were with, uh, the, um, the pastor said we wanted to read the Bible in 120 days. Now, if you've ever done that, that's a lot of reading every single day. So, if you are very committed, loyal, faithful, and you've got no other work to do, that's very possible. And so, where I was in the church that I just picked up was very broken. So, I thought, no, you know what? I know that they're not going to do it. But I wanted to honor what the leader was saying. Because you can't be just, uh, what's the word? Divisive. Thank you. Divisive when leadership's saying something. So, I said, okay, we're going to do that, but we're going to change it. And we're going to do just one chapter a day. That's all we're going to do. And that is possible. So we started. And um, years went by. I, don't know, years went, I think almost like a year went by. And uh, one day Shirley gets an SMS from a lady that was in the church with us back in Clarksdorpe. And now we're going back like 10, 15, nearly 20 years. And she's relocated to the UK and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and also she says, Shirley, is this still your number? And I thought, wow, this is amazing. So I tried to connect with her on WhatsApp, didn't whatever. And so she connected, so I sent to my number, she connected with me, whatever. And the next morning, I kind of like felt I needed to send my thoughts. So what we did is we read a chapter, and somewhere along the line, I'll just take a thought and I'll and put it out there for the church. And that thing just grew, whatever. And anyway, so I sent it to her. I just really felt compelled. And I was sitting 6 o'clock in the morning doing this whole thing. It was 4 o'clock in the morning in the UK. She had just left. It was, uh, just, I remember it was early February. She was about to take her son down to uh, university, but she, she, she phoned in that afternoon, and she just said, ever since he came back from university, he just hasn't been himself. And we've tried to ask him what's going on, and he says, nothing, 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 nothing. Anyway, so she reads this thought, she says, oh, here's something from Basil, Blur, reads it, and the guy breaks down, and he starts to cry. And he says, mom, I need to tell you something. I was planning to go back to university now and commit suicide. And tells the story. Now, the most amazing thing is, how did Basil know that? He didn't. But all he did is he got a thought, and he responded to the thought. I didn't even get a permission, but I did it. So that's why I'm telling you, if you can just do the little, and you won't even know the impact, it's only going to come down the road. So will you do that? Just two. Is that okay? Checking, 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 checking. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. And then I want to ask another thing. Can we maybe have some testimonies next Sunday? Is that okay? We might not be able to do everybody that wants to stand up and talk, but I'm asking. So come leaders, will you help do you hear of something that's brilliant happened? Will you kinda of like get it to one of us elders or whatever? And we'd like to give room because that's gonna cause somebody else's faith to rise and say, Sure, if that happened with them, I want to be part of that. Is that okay? This is called practical Christianity one oh one. Hey, that's it. We become more righteous when we do something and not just sitting doing nothing. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Oh, my father, thank you so much. We love you. So grateful to be called your, your son, your daughter. So grateful to be washed by the blood of Jesus. You've given us so much. But Lord, tonight as we stand here, we don't want to just receive. We want to reflect. We want to give. We want to be people that will represent you. So I'm asking for every single one of us when we're we going to do this now. Lord, some of us is going to be like, I don't even know what to do. I don't know if I'm hearing right, but it's okay. I pray that you would show yourself to every single one of us in Jesus' name. Will you do miracles, I pray? Will you, will you create a response that, Lord, will ignite something on the inside of us that we'll never want to live like we used to live, but we'll hunger to be a vessel and an instrument. In your hands. I commit these amazing people to you. I thank you that you love them. And you're the God that creates opportunities. And I'm asking. Will you create amazing opportunities. Put us in the right place. At the right time. With the right thing to say. In Jesus name. I thank you and I give you praise. You're such a good, good father. And we love you. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, maybe you're sitting in this room. Maybe you've gone to church a long time, but you realize that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. See, going to church doesn't save you. It's what you do with Jesus that does. You either accept Him or you reject Him. Those who accept Him, He comes and He lives in us by His Holy Spirit. And then He starts to help us through this life that He's given us. But you've got to surrender your life to Him for that to happen. Maybe there's been stuff that's been happening and you realize, I need Jesus in my life. So you're either sitting here, you've never done that, or maybe you did it a long time ago, but something's really gone wrong and you really haven't been serving Him like you should. If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. I believe God wants to give us a brand new start. The Bible says that when I Give my life to him. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So if that's you yet tonight, you just put up your hand and say, yes, that's me. Tonight I choose to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I need him. I can't, I've tried living, running my own life. It Hasn't done very well. And I want to give it to him now. Is there anybody in this room? So, Father, I pray. If if you're here, maybe you are a bit concerned in your heart. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. I want to ask everybody, will you pray this after me? Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I acknowledge you as God. And I come to you and I give you my life. Will you take my life? Will you forgive me of my sins? And will you live through me? I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If that's you, if it is you, we'd love to chat with you. We want to help you. And so if you don't know who the elders are, you know who I am. I'm the new guy. Then you can come and chat with us. Or if you may know somebody else, go and just chat with them. We want to help you. Amen. Wonderful. Are you ready to do the offering?